This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Hello, Professor Gershon, and Happy New Year. Well, thank you, Liz. Uh, Our new year will be uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, so I appreciate that. And and uh, excited to uh, start a new year on the Jewish calendar. But um, oh, I meant the new year, the the new school year. Yeah, the school year. Oh, I thought you were wishing me a happy Russian <laughs> which will be actually two Tuesdays from now. So I thought you were a little premature, but that holiday will be happening uh, as well. And so, yes, it's a great new school year. It's great to have the students back in person, and we're all trying to be as safe as we can by wearing our masks, and uh, it's great to start this year and and see faces as opposed to doing it by Zoom. But today, we're uh, excited to welcome back Joshua Tom, who's the legal director of ACLU Mississippi. And Mr. Tom, would you please tell us again a little bit about your background and the work of the ACLU? Well, good morning, Richard and Liz. I'm happy to be back on the show. Well, I'm a native Memphian, uh, currently live and work in Jackson, Mississippi, I practiced corporate law in New York City for six years before moving to Mississippi in 2016 to work at the ACLU, where, as you mentioned, I'm currently the legal director. Now, the ACLU of Mississippi is a nonprofit civil rights organization that protects and defends the rights of Mississippians. I see our goal is making Mississippi a more fair and just place. Um, Our priorities include criminal justice reform, voting rights, LGBTQ rights and um, the rights guaranteed under the First Amendment. And we use advocacy, policy litigation, and communications to achieve our goals. So, I mean, the ACLU really then does uh, advocate for people's civil rights, their rights under the Constitution. Um, And and what, what kinds of cases then have you been involved in, uh, you know, this past, especially with COVID, these past couple of years? Yeah, so, you know, one case that we brought last year is actually in your neck of the woods, Richard, uh, in Oxford. You know, after the murder of George Floyd, there were, you know, nationwide and I guess you know, even worldwide protests. And, you know, some of those and many of those uh, occurred in Oxford, including around the Confederate statue in the square. And after weeks and weeks of protests, the Lafayette County Board of Supervisors uh, passed increasingly burdensome regulations governing use of the courthouse grounds in the center of the square, uh, ultimately setting a curfew from dusk till dawn, during which time no one can access the courthouse grounds. Um, You know, we ended up suing the county for violating the First Amendment, for imposing unreasonable restrictions on the use of a public forum. Um, Another COVID-related case was uh, a lawsuit against the Mississippi Secretary of State um, sort of last summer and last fall, seeking to ensure that absentee voting was more accessible to Mississippians during the pandemic. Um, You know, we 
first got a favorable ruling at the trial court. Um, it got appealed to the Mississippi Supreme Court, who ended up interpreting the absentee voting statute uh, much more narrowly. And, you know, we see that as sort of a, a partial win for us. And so really, I mean, I, one thing I think maybe people don't realize is how many cases that the ACLU handles that deal with free speech and First Amendment rights. Um, and, uh, you know, that's certainly an area that um, that uh, you, you have been involved in. Um, and then uh, you mentioned voting rights. Um, and, you know, so if somebody has a case, and we'll get to voting rights in specifically in, in, you know, in the next segment, but if somebody has a case with the ACLU, a case of affecting their constitutional rights, how do they get in touch with you? How do they get the ACLU involved? Yeah, so, you know, I would encourage anybody who feels like their uh, rights have been violated um, to go to our website. You just Google ACLU of Mississippi. Um, you can find our contact information. Uh, you can fill out an online complaint there, um, as well as find additional information about our work. Joshua, this is Liz. I have a, a question. How does the ACLU determine which cases it might have? Does it, I, I know it certainly can't take on all cases of individuals whose constitutional rights have been abridged. Do they look for ones that seem topical and timely? Do they look for ones that seem that could be applicable to a majority of individuals? Yeah, so that's a good good question. So it is important to note that, you know, while I do encourage everyone to, to reach out to us if, you know, they feel that their rights have been violated, you know, unfortunately we are a relatively small organization and, you know, the number of cases that we can actually um, address um, and, and, and certainly address through litigation is limited. And so that being said, you know, I, I mentioned sort of our areas of focus um, towards the top of the show. Um, first of all, if the case, you know, falls outside of one of those areas of or priority areas, you know, would be less likely to um, take it on. Um, also, if, you know, the person who reaches out um, has their own lawyer, um, we may be less likely to take it on. You know, oftentimes we, we take cases um, where people just can't afford a lawyer, and, you know, we, it would be potentially a misuse of our resources if if um, they could already hire their own lawyer. Um, and, and the third thing is um, this impact. You know, could this potential um, lawsuit or this potential issue have a, a wider impact than, um, you know, just one individual? So, for example, you know, use of the uh, courthouse grounds in Oxford applies to, you know, everyone in, in Lafayette County and, you know, anyone visiting uh, Oxford. And the voting rights uh, case during uh, COVID over absentee voting, um, you know, would have applied to uh, anyone who um, uh, wanted to vote absentee as long as they, you know, met um, certain characteristics certain qualifications. And so, you know, those type of broader impact cases are um, also important to our selection process. You can send us an email if you have a question, legalterms at mpbonline.org. 
We're discussing the work of the American Civil Liberties Union with its legal director, Joshua Tom. If you want to learn more about the ACLU after this broadcast, we've got some shows for that. We'll also make sure we give you some of that. We'll repeat that contact information a little bit later. I'm going to tell you next how you can hear more about the ACLU next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. is in legal terms now not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live so if you've missed one of our programs you can listen to the whole show on our website in legal terms dot mpb online dot org it's also available on the mpb public media app as are all our local shows we are just crazy about that app it's got so many benefits our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. We have had guests from the American Civil Liberties Union on the show a couple of times recently. June 9th of 2020, we were able to have Joshua Tom on. We've also had a guest from October 16th. 2018. And this morning we are talking about the ACLU with its legal director, Joshua Tom. We have a caller who has called in from your neck of the woods, Professor Gershon. It's Sarah who is calling from the law school. Sarah, thanks for calling into In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Uh, yes, hi. Um, uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, say hi to Professor Gershon. Um, I had the privilege of having him for wills and estates uh, over the summer, uh, and so uh, it was a great experience. Um, I have a question for um, for Josh uh, at the ACLU and for um, Professor Gershon. Um, my question is related to the transgender community who are uh, applying for name and gender marker changes. Um, how have you been able to, uh, I guess this is for Josh, um, how is the ACLU able to help people who uh, may have been denied or uh, may be trying to go through that, that process with the Chancery Courts? Sure. Well, hi, hi Sarah. Thanks, thanks for your call. You know, that is uh, uh, certainly an important issue in Mississippi and the country and, and one that we focus on at the ACLU of Mississippi. Um, you know, one thing that we are um, just getting started, actually, our, our um, staff attorney who's going to um, lead the program just started yesterday, but it's we call it the LGBTQ Justice um, Project, 
and that is going to involve a free legal clinic that, amongst other things, could help um, transgender individuals with, um, you know, changing their, you know, identity and other documents. And so, you know, some of the resources that we have um, for that uh, particular issue, you know, birth certificate change, driver license change, et cetera, um, you know, we have a roadmap um, that we uh, provide to people who um, are trying to navigate that process. And um, we also have, you know, staff at uh, the ACO in Mississippi who can, you know, talk you through the process. Uh, very good. Have you had any um, um, any obstacles? Um, uh, have you noticed any obstacles? And, uh, for example, if someone were to be denied um, denied a, a name or a gender marker change solely for being transgender, um, would that be a, uh, what you know? Would that be a final judgment, or is there a way to um, to appeal that? Do you know uh, what that process would be like? You know, to date, we haven't taken on any um, lawsuits for, you know, a, a name change or birth certificate change uh, issue, and so I can't really, you know, speak to that. Um, but, you know, I would encourage you in the future to, you know, if you are having or you know someone that is having, you know, issues with this, to reach out to us, and, you know, we can, we can uh, see what we can do. Okay. Well, thank you for your work, and uh, I've always uh, I, I worked for the ACLU of Georgia, and I, I love uh, the organization, and uh, so I uh, thank you for for being on the show t today. Well, you're welcome. And thanks thank for you, call. Sarah. Hey, thanks for calling, Sarah, and thanks for that that nice comment. And Sarah did some great work for, with the Human Rights Commission to do a program on uh, estate planning for uh, people in the transgender community and uh, and every community. And so uh, we appreciate that call, sir. Um, so Joshua, I mean, you, I'm sure you get um, a lot of different uh, uh, legal issues. And hey, how many lawyers do you actually have in the, in the ACLU in Mississippi? So within the legal department, we have um, four lawyers, although only three of them um, are, you know, practicing uh, litigation. Uh, within the organization as a whole, I think we have three additional lawyers, um, although they are either in, um, you know, uh, management or advocacy roles, and they don't, they don't do uh, litigation either. Right, so, and um, now let's talk specifically about you, you mentioned voting rights before as one of the, the major topics and issues that ACRU deals with. And your website is great in talking about the various issues that you cover and, and uh, information for Mississippians. Um, but, you know, okay, so why, you know, what, what's important about voting rights and, and how is the ACLU involved in protecting the right to vote? Sure. You know, voting rights are, you know, one of the, you know, foundational rights um, of, you know, all Mississippians, of all Americans. You know, for, for many generations, many decades, um, people have um, fought, you know, whether they were uh, minorities or whether they're women, um, to get access to to the voting box. And, you know, those, those fights um, were essential to having those voices represented in our democracy, and you know we see voting rights as, as a foundational right um, in our country. 
Um, the type of work that we do, you know, in addition to lawsuits, I mentioned the lawsuit about absentee voting during COVID. I mean, we're also currently preparing for potential litigation over redistricting. You know, as um, the uh, census data has just come out, the um, legislatures across uh, the country, including in Mississippi, are going to start to redraw maps um, for their local, state, and federal uh, districts. And, you know, those can be done in a fair way or those can be done um, in an unfair way. In addition, those can be done uh, in a way that violates the federal constitution and violates federal law, including the Voting Rights Act. And so, you know, while, um, you know, we hope that the, the maps drawn are uh, fair and the process is transparent, we are keeping a close eye on the redistricting process and on any resulting maps to make sure that, you know, they comply with um, federal law. Well, we hear a lot and about in addition for, to um, sure. litigation, and this is going to sort of translate to, you know, really all of our work. We engage in, you know, what we call sort of like the, you know, civil rights uh, term of art, integrated advocacy. So, you know, we combine public education and advocacy uh, with lobbying, uh, with communications uh, and litigation in order to achieve um, our goals, whether it's on voting rights, criminal justice reform, um, you know, free speech, et cetera. You know, one of the things with, with redistricting is we hear about the, the term gerrymandering used a lot. And, and what exactly is that, and how does that impact, uh, you know, an individual's voting rights? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, just to, to rewind just a, a, tip, a tad bit back, so redistricting is a process of drawing the lines of districts from which public officials uh, are elected. And when it's you know done fairly, it can accurately represent population changes and racial diversity, um, and it can um, equitably allocate representation in Congress and, and and state legislatures. When politicians use redistricting to m manipulate the outcome of elections, uh, that's called gerrymandering. Uh, this practice uh, can undermine democracy, stifle uh, the voices of voters. And, you know, instead of voters picking their politicians, uh, gerrymandering allows politicians to pick their voters, which makes, um, in a lot of times, uh, extremely safe districts um, that, you know, can only be challenged from um, someone within their own party, oftentimes uh, someone more extreme. And this has led to uh, more uh, polarized uh, more extreme uh, representatives, you know, whether at the local, state, or federal level. You know, one ex recent example of an extreme gerrymander uh, was in Wisconsin, uh, where the state district maps were gerrymandered to an extent that uh, the Republicans there could win a near supermajority of House seats with a minority of the votes. Um, Democrats, similarly in, in uh, Maryland, gerrymandered. Uh, the districts um, in, in their their favor. And the last thing I'll say about this, you know, for purposes of, of minority voting power, gerrymandering can weaken or dilute the voting power of minority groups, um, including by making it more difficult or even impossible to elect candidates uh, of their choice. If you have a question about your rights and responsibilities and how the ACLU uh, assists Mississippians with that, we would love for you to call and participate with our show. 
Our phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We've always got our email up in case you'd like to send us an email. That address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking today with the ACLU of Mississippi's legal director, Joshua Tom. We've talked a little bit about the cases that they've tried and been a part of in the last couple of years having to do with COVID and civil rights. We've talked a little bit about how they choose cases. And now we're talking a bit about the redistricting process, uh, what what uh, gerrymandering is. I'd like to back up just a little bit, uh, Joshua. I know from the website there was a number of hearings that the ACLU, did they sponsor or were they, they were participated in and made aware around the state on redistricting? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so those those hearings were put on by the legislature. Um, I think it is. Um, I'm somewhat, you know, more ignorant about the legislative process given my, you know, role as, as a legal director. But you know, there's a um, body within the legislature that uh, has created these public hearings across the state in order to answer questions, get uh, input, um, and get. Um, you know, public information out about redistricting to uh, the people of Mississippi. And, you know, the ACLU Mississippi, along with other groups in the state, uh, were um, engaged in um, getting people out, uh, providing people information, um, telling people, you know, why redistricting is important, why they should attend these hearings, um, and helping to prepare people to ask questions uh, at these hearings, um, which can show many things, including uh, the legislature, legislators, that, you know, the public is interested in this. Um, the public is aware of redistricting, what it's for, and how it can be used uh, fairly and unfairly. Um, and, you know, so that is certainly uh, uh, something that we are uh, engaged in. Yeah, Joshua, your website has some really good information in terms of the, the legislation, and there's a legislative bill tractor, tracker, and it, it uh, talks about the various bills that uh, are coming up or have been uh, considered by our state legislature and, you know, kind of the position that the ACLU takes on those. And, um, you know, from, from criminal justice reform to uh, voter suppression uh, to um, uh uh, transgender rights, things like that. I mean, it looks like a uh, you do your website is really, really a good source of information. Yeah, well, I appreciate um, that, Richard. You know, our um, you know, I, I can't take any 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 credit for uh, the website. That's um, you know our communications director, Candace Coleman. I'll give a, a shout out to um, you know some of the you know uh, substantive material I may have I may have put on there, but you know I do encourage uh, you know all listeners. You know, to the extent that they have questions or are looking for additional information on, you know, constitutional and civil rights, um, as well as other areas, to certainly, you know, search our uh, website ACLU Mississippi um, and explore it because you know you may find some some helpful information there. Yes, absolutely, including uh, how to 
how to request legal help, and, and also your not-for-profits, so how to donate. Uh, if, if people uh, want to support the ACLU, there's a way to do that on your website as well. You can email us with your questions. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking today with Joshua Tom, legal director for the American Civil Liberties Union. If you want to learn more about gerrymandering, we've got a show for that. I'll tell you more next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We hope you subscribe to our podcast I've mentioned this before. Have you taken me up on my offer? Lots of different ways to get a podcasting platform. Lots of different ones you can find at your app store. You download it to your tablet. You can download it to your smart speaker. Or you can download it to your phone. Then you're able to go to a page to search for podcasts. I type in in legal terms. It'll bring up our show. You're able to touch the photo of it. You can subscribe, and then you're notified when any new episodes are loaded up. This morning, we're talking with the work. We're talking about the work of the ACLU with its director, Joshua Tom, and its legal director, Joshua Tom. Now, we were talking about gerrymandering a little bit, and In Legal Terms had a broadcast from September 4th, 2018, that dealt with what gerrymandering was. That was with our guest, Professor Han Sinha from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Professor Gershon, he's always a fun one to have on. We should see about doing a show with him in the near future, but we do have a couple of calls to get to. Let's start in Jackson and go to Donna. Donna, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today when our guest is with is Joshua Tom with the ACLU. What's your comment or question? I, I'm uh, calling on behalf of the homeless situation in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm sorry it's a little off the subject, but I volunteered a number of uh, church organizations in the Jackson area, and we are confronted with people coming out of prison who don't have their birth certificate or a legal ID and they're coming with that. Um, Is there another side to the story? We contact our legislators. They tell us that there is a lack of funding, computer down, 
problems. Um, is there something else that we could do to aid these persons who are on the street without IDs and needing to get both their birth certificate and a state ID, which is a back-and-forth complication. You can't get your ID without your birth certificate. can't get a birth certificate without ID. This should have been taken care of in the prison. I'm wondering if you could give me some background help on that. Either of our uh, guests, Joshua, can you get the answer that? Um, you know, I don't know if I can give a, a, a full answer to it, but I can, you know, talk about, you know, some things about that. You know, one, and um, forgive my ignorance, I'm not sure if it actually passed, but there was a bill uh, in the last legislative session that would have provided uh, people being released from uh, Mississippi prisons a state-issued ID which, you know, this, this problem about um, people coming out of prison without identity documents is known, you know, at the legislature and uh, at the Department of Corrections. Um, I'm not sure if that law passed or not, but, you know, so, so you know, point one is, you know, you are, are um, not alone in understanding this problem, and indeed the legislature and the Department of Corrections knows it. You know, one thing that I would encourage you to do is that, um, you know, in addition to the ID documents issue, just overall um, issues of reentry. You know, so it's uh, necessities like the ones you mentioned. There's also um, housing. There's employment, um, and, and many other issues that uh, create uh, large difficulties, large problems for people coming out of uh, our prisons and jails uh, to be able to successfully re-enter society. And so, you know, that's something that they feel the Mississippi and other organizations are going to be working on, you know, at the next legislative session in 2021, I mean, I'm sorry, in 2022, and also going forward um, is to create a um, state-sponsored and state-funded re-entry program that will address um, the ID issues that you mentioned, the birth certificate issues that you mentioned, um, in addition to, to other issues. And, you know, when you have uh, constituents um, in the state reach out to our legislators, give them this type of information. You know, a lot of legislators may not know about the issues that, that, that you're talking about, or the specific ones at least. Um, it can help them provide information and let them know that this is something that is wanted by uh, Mississippians. Thank you very much. And I, I want to say, Donna, thank you for the work you're doing. I mean, it's important that people in the community, you know, are activists and, and take a role in, in protecting the rights. You don't have to be a, a lawyer, per se, to, to get involved in things that you see um, need changing. So thank you for your good work. Well, thank you. Um, and, you know, Josh, uh, let's focus on uh, immigration because that's one of the big areas that, um, that the ACRU works with. Um, does uh, when when it comes to protecting the rights of immigrants, um, how can immigrants have rights under the U.S. Constitution, even if they're not citizens? Um, uh, yes, they do. You know, uh, immigrants, you know, whether they're citizens or not, do have constitutional rights. You know, many parts of the Constitution apply to, you know, quote people or quote person uh, rather than citizen. Um, you know, the rights also attach to people physically on U.S. soil, whether they're a U.S. citizen or not. So, you know, that is certainly an important uh, baseline um, to, to know. So, you know, 
many rights like freedom of religion, speech, the right to due process, um, the equal protection under the law apply uh, to everyone in the United States, whether they're citizens or not. Uh, sometimes, um, as, as is often the case with the law, um, you know, the practice can be more complex. So with that baseline, you know, for example, the right to legal counsel is guaranteed in criminal prosecutions. However, many deportation proceedings are civil rather than criminal cases, and thus uh, the right to legal counsel does not always apply. You know, a, a last example here is uh, the Fourth Amendment, which uh, guarantees the right against unreasonable searches and seizures for both citizens and non-citizens alike. However, there's um, a large exception to that called the border search exception, um, such that at airports and the physical border of the United States, uh, it doesn't apply. So, you know, at the border, the government can search people without a warrant or probable cause. You know, you just think about going to the airport and you have to, you know, scan your bag. You have to uh, go through the, the, the metal detector. Um, and they can do that based on this border search exception. That, uh, yeah, I think that's something a lot of people don't realize, um, and that that is, uh, you know, the Supreme Court has said that that is something that uh, the government can do. Now, um, when do we, when we look at um, immigration then, so the ACLU is working uh, closely with, uh, with immigrant issues. Do we have a lot of that in the Um, so, you know, one thing that I'll highlight with regards to, you know, immigrant issues in, in 2019, summer of 2019, actually, the anniversary, um, which is sort of a perverse anniversary, was, you know, uh, several weeks ago of the ICE raids of various chicken plants across the state. It was actually the largest workplace raid by ICE uh, in history, I believe. You know, so the ACLU of Mississippi, along with you know, local, state, and national partners uh, formed a coalition to help uh, the impacted people of those raids. You know, one thing that we did at the ACLU was um, took a lead role in set setting up and administering a humanitarian fund uh, that has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars across, uh, you know, five sites in Mississippi. You know, a lot of times uh, uh, the, the family members that got um, arrested or picked up at these ICE raids were the breadwinners of the family. And, you know, this resulted in uh, some families, sometimes with, with uh, young, young children, being unable to pay for basic necessities, rent, utilities, medicine, et cetera. Um, so that's sort of some, some past work we've done. You know, currently our work includes ensuring that local police um, are not um, cooperating, overly cooperating uh, with ICE. You know, some things are required by federal law, but certainly other things um, are not. And, you know, police are um, there to ensure the safety of the communities um, that they serve and protect. They don't, and they're not supposed to be enforcing uh, federal immigration law. And so we are, um, you know, advocating and, and lobbying agencies in Mississippi um, against cooperating with ICE, which actually undermines their um, public safety goals because communities may be less likely to talk with police, less likely to report crimes, 
less likely to cooperate in an investigation, you know, should they see the police not as um, police but as, you know, immigration agents. We're talking this morning with the legal director of ACLU Mississippi, uh, Joshua Tom. And Joshua, you you were spot on uh, knowing a little bit about Donna's previous question about getting the IDs for people coming out of correction. There were actually two bills in the 2021 legislature, House Bill 838 and Senate Bill 2526. Alas, neither of them passed, but they did try to allow the Mississippi Department of Corrections to issue a temporary six-month driver's license to an individual who had been released from an NDOC facility. And as we encourage all of our listeners, if you see a need for a bill, if you see a need for rights, or if you have an opinion, your representatives are the ones who make your laws for you. So we encourage you to learn who your Mississippi State House and State Senate and State Representatives are. Contact them. Let them know that you are in their district. Let them know that you're a voter. Be sure to be a voter so that you can take control and have some say in your rights and responsibilities. And as a volunteer for different places. I also applaud Donna for when she sees a cause she's passionate about, volunteering for it. We lost our caller, Orain, so we'd love for Orain to call back, but we do have Sue from Beaumont with a question. Sue, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? I want to ask a question about the, is it a civil liberty, whether or not we choose to get the injection. I mean, that is a, a civil liberty. This ACLU may not have anything to do with that, though. You know, for purposes of um, the uh, you know right, whether or not to get uh, the COVID COVID nineteen vaccine or any vaccine, you know, we haven't taken you know a public stance on that, and you know, I, I won't take one here. Um, I will say that. You know, there in in the past there have been Supreme Court decisions, um, including one from a case out of Massachusetts, Massachusetts, that did uphold uh, that state's um, vaccine uh, mandate. You know, you also have in Mississippi, um, surprisingly or not, uh, the requirement that school-age children get certain vaccines, um, and there are no uh, religious exceptions to that. Um, you know, some states do allow religious exceptions uh, to vaccine mandates for school children. Mississippi um, does not actually. Uh, there is for um, public school children um, an exception if the vaccine would, you know, harm uh, their health. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Sue, for that question. We take your questions on our email address, Legal Terms at mpbonline.org. Okay, everybody get your pencils and paper ready. I'm going to tell you how you can contact the ACLU. You are speaking with ACLU's legal director, Joshua Tom, and our host, Professor Richard Gershon. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, there are so many ways you can listen to the whole show. Inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. Find our podcast. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Now, did you grab your pencil? If you would like to contact the ACLU in Mississippi, they have a website which has fantastic information. It's aclu-ms.org. But if you'd like their mailing address and phone number, that mailing address is P.O. Box 2242, Jackson, Mississippi, 39225. And their phone number is area code 601-354-3408. We're luckily enough to have the direct, the legal director of the ACLU, Joshua Tom. He is giving his time to volunteer to be on this show from his work with the not-for-profit ACLU. And we do have, oh, no. We are ready to move on to talk about criminal justice reform. Yes, Joshua, one of the big uh, areas that uh, ACLU works on is criminal justice reform, and that's that's certainly an important one. And we've seen some movement in our legislature to, to reform uh, criminal justice. What, what other efforts uh, is the ACLU involved in in terms of things like um, uh, bail? Uh, you know, and changing uh, the way that bail is done or uh, police misconduct. Yeah, sure. You know, so criminal justice reform is one of uh, the main priorities of the ACLU of Mississippi, and for good reason. Um, You know, Mississippi has uh, the third highest incarceration rate in the country uh, and indeed the world. Um, You know, a lot of the uh, makeup of the people in our prisons and jails are uh, predominantly or disproportionately, you know, black and brown people. And, you know, many practices that have been um, reformed or gotten rid of um, for many years uh, in other parts of the country uh, continue to happen in Mississippi, um, including uh, bail that you mentioned, Richard. Um, so, Bail reform is one of those areas that highlights uh, the difference in the criminal justice system for people without money versus people with money. So, for example, if you have two people, very similar backgrounds, who are charged with the exact same offense, um, person A can pay $1,000 or even something like $500 and bail out. They can face their charges while at home with their families working in their jobs. The other person 
without uh, $1,000 or $500 um, has to sit in jail and face their day in court from there. Uh, this can result in a loss of homes, uh, breakup of families, loss of jobs. Uh, you know, people who do not bail out face substantially worse outcomes in their cases than those who do. And you know, so on bail reform, um, other criminal justice areas, you know, police transparency, accountability. You know, it sort of goes back to what we talked uh, about before. You know, in our voting rights work, um, in other areas of work. You know, we, we engage in our integrated advocacy. So, you know, we do public education, communications, we lobby the legislature, uh, we lobby other public officials, and we also, you know, investigate uh, and, you know, if warranted, you know, we'll file lawsuits um, over, um, you know, practices that are illegal. And, you know, and it's, it's such important work. I know we have our clinics also, or uh, the uh, MacArthur Justice Center uh, works on bail reform as well, and, and, and you know, we hope that progress can take place. But the other thing, our, our dean is uh, an expert, uh, Dean Susan, expert in restorative justice. Can you talk a little bit about your efforts in terms of restorative justice? Yeah, you know, so one of our um, uh, priorities for, you know, the future, uh, including the next uh, legislative session, is um, in the area of you know reentry, and you know I am actually not sure whether that specifically falls under res restorative justice, but you know allowing people um, a better chance at you know coming back into society, you know after they've uh, you know served their time, paid their debt, and uh, you know in prison or jail. You know, we think it's really important that, you know, they have, you know, all of the, um, you know, basic essential um, tools, like we mentioned before, just something as simple as an ID, um, the ability to find a job, to find housing, um, to make sure that they can um, reenter society uh, successfully. So um, what do you see the future? I know that the legislature did some uh, reform for things like parole and, and made some steps. Do you, do you see that the legislature becoming more open through these efforts to, uh, to criminal justice reform? You know, so I was uh, speaking with um, somebody well-versed in uh, you know, Mississippi politics, and uh, he's actually um, our lobbyist. Um, John Morgan Hughes, who um, was saying that even five years ago, the, you know, the discussion about you know parole reform uh, or many other reforms that were being seriously discussed um, and also passed uh, with regards to parole reform uh, would just have never even been in the conversation or seriously uh, in the conversation. So you know, as as a matter of um, history, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, things have progressed over the past, uh, you know, several years uh, on criminal justice reform. On um, that being said, there's a long way, long way to go. You know, we have a lot of um, injustices, inequities uh, in our criminal justice system in Mississippi. And, um, you know, I mentioned before, you know, we have the third highest incarceration rate in the country. And, you know, you know, beyond just, um, you know, the, the justice aspect of that, uh, you know, we're not a um, 
uh, a rich state, to put it to put it mildly. And you know, having uh, such a high incarceration rate is extremely expensive, um, you know, for the taxpayers. And so, not only does it make sense to to uh, have improvements there from a criminal justice sense, from a from a moral sense, but also from a simple uh, budgetary um, sense, there's uh, big reasons to. Um, have criminal justice reform and to safely um, get more people out of our prisons and jails. Joshua Tom, legal director for the ACLU. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show today. We appreciate you taking out your time for us. Uh, I was happy to be here. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Liz. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Thank you for Michelle McAdoo and Jay White for helping us get our show engineered and call screen. For Professor Richard Gershon, who is starting the new school year uh, in person at the University of Mississippi School of Law. Thank you. I'm Liz Gill. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.